This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, the youngest member of the crew, Yeoman Third Class, Daniel Prue. Daniel, how's life going uh, in the lower decks? You know, Philip, I kind of don't appreciate you pointing that out, that I'm the youngest. Um, that's ageism. And I would have thought in the 24th century we have moved past this, this simple issue of, of how old someone is. I'm a little offended, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, and I'm, you know what, if Wesley can be on the bridge, so can I. That's so can I, sir. Sir, uh, uh, sorry, so can I, sir. <laughs> All right, well, as you're cleaning out the transporter with a toothbrush, let's go to my other great co-host, the renowned cyberneticist, Darren Moser. Now, Darren, I hear you're making a new android. Uh, how goes your progress? Yes, uh, actually, I am the new android. Uh, Darren 1.0, as I like to call him, is over in the other room, you know, putting his daughter down uh, to you know, go to bed. But, uh, you know, yeah, this is the beginning of the new Moser family tree. So I, I can blink, you know, pretty convincingly and I still cannot use contractions yet, but we think we'll get that, uh, you know, flushed away before we, uh, we get out of beta. All right. Well, I'm really excited because there were a lot of bugs in that first model that we've been complaining about. No, for a no, while, the, so. no. The first bottle was actually Darren. Like that. There was. Oh, oh. Okay. Awkward. <laughs> All right. Well, as people probably can't tell um, from that introduction, a topic we're going to be tackling today is one of those kind of Philip intellectual topics. But it, it, there's just a constant storyline when I'm watching either a TNG uh, television episode or watching one of the movies, it just strikes me that there's a storyline that keeps popping up. And, and it's not this universal, you know, discovery or the, the nature of humanity. It's something very specific that always strikes me. So I wanted to talk about it today. And that is aging. Uh, time and time again, it seems to come up about, you know, growing older or, or trying to capture lost youth or the regrets of youth or facing old age and your future and all that. So that's something we're going to tackle with. And I kind of started, wanted to go sort of, since we're talking about age and time, actually go a little backwards and start with the movies first, um, before we get into maybe more episode wise. And so going in chronological order, I want to start with Generations. Which seems to have this, this very deep storyline about time and age and mortality and existence and all that. And so we're going to start with Generations, which definitely has this theme ongoing through it about time and mortality and stalking and predators and all these things. So I guess before I start to go into what I thought about it, um, Darren, I'll, I'll throw it to you. But Generations and... And just that whole storyline, whether it's Picard's perspective or Soren's perspective or Riker living forever, apparently, what, what do you think about that in, in Generations? Well, yeah, I mean, just the title itself, Generations. I mean, a generation is something that has to do with time, with family, with, you know, passing things on, you know, because it was about time that, uh, you know, the original series passed the torch to next gen. I mean, I was, I'm glad this movie came along to really do that, you know. The seven years ahead, you know, that was just a warm up. But uh <laughs> but no, this yeah, this movie, you know, deals a ton with time, not in a, you know, Star Trek four time travelly way, but you know, in getting older and uh, you know, in in a lot of ways it's very poignant in that it's these characters that, you know, we've all grown to to care about and we're like, Well, where are they what are they doing now? You know, they're they're done with the the show where we saw them every week, you know, in our living room and now you know what adventures are they are they going on and 
what historical figures are they going to meet and bury under rocks in a nondescript location? <laughs> but, did, they, did they meet them? Well, I mean, Picard pointed in his log, so, you know, I mean, like that, like that video you sent me uh, today about Picard going insane with all the clips. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, he met Kirk. You know, no one, uh, no one else saw Kirk. I'm just, I mean, the only person who saw Kirk died conveniently. Shadow no, Guy no, no. Shadow Guy yes. knew Kirk. <laughs> so, I mean, who builds clamps on a missile? When would there be a point where you'd say, like, you know, this missile might fall over. I better clamp it down. Or actually, you know, I might be mid-launch and totally change my mind. And instead, decide to destroy the platform. That's the, that's like a self-destruct button on the villain's, you know, death ray. It's like it's just not a good idea. Well, then we also get into the amount of time it takes for something to actually launch into the sun, which is more than thirty <laughs> seconds. But anyway, um, but uh, Daniel, you know, it, it's not, it's funny. Darren brings up Star Trek Six, and it's weird because Star Trek Six is, of course, the swan song for the original series, not counting Generations, I suppose. But it, you know, our first feature film is almost a Star Trek Six vibe, where you know, it's sort of that like Picard has the death of his nephew and is like, "Well, I'm old," and like, "Oh, okay, this is the first movie we're starting out where." Picard Picard's facing his, you know, you know his his old age or whatever you want to call it, even though he's a time lord. But anyway, what would you think about that whole sort of struggle with with Picard's, you know, facing his mortality and, and wondering about? There's a line that comes to mind. He says that he tells Troy, you know, I've, I've realized recently that the days ahead are shorter than the days behind, and so he's, he's sort of in that mode for this for this whole movie. Well, I'm glad you 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 phrased it in that way. You framed it in that way because, to be fair. One of the points I was going to bring up is um, most of the original series movies have an element of dealing with aging, have an element of dealing with uh, mortality. Uh, specifically in my head are one, two, and six. But but really all of them, like the first TOS movie, uh, the motion picture, also deals with – it's not like – it's amazing that like Generations deals with – Picard, like, what do I do now in this stage of my career? Because the motion picture also kind of deals with that. And then Wrath of Khan even deals with it even further. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe it was Gene, uh, you know, who, you know, by generations time was was, was well past gone. But maybe, I don't know, like, that the legacy of what he... That I imagine when the original series movies came, came out, like, that was what he was dealing with. And that's the kind of what he wanted to get into the movies. Uh, and then maybe generations comes off as kind of, uh, a legacy of that or, or, or a byproduct of that. But, um, generations doesn't exist in a vacuum. So it makes a lot of sense, um, to me that we have to deal with these issues. What I, I, in generations, it's weird because we never get the sense in the series that he's Picard is particularly concerned about his, bloodline continuing and we it makes for a compelling storyline kind of in the movie but uh and i do really love you specifically mentioned the end scene that's probably my favorite scene of the entire movie when Riker and picard are talking there's so much goodness in that whole scene like as much whatever you think of generations it's worth it for that scene at the end when he's like you know, uh, some when he's say, checking away his favorite architectural <laughs> uh, relic. You know, but it is it is worth it because it's like when he's like, you know, some say some. There are people that say this about time, but I I think time is a companion that comes with us and follows us on our journey because time lord. Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> because you know every day is something is is an adventure that will never come again. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Forgive me. And then of course, that, sorry, I have to. So yeah, it's. What we leave behind is not as important as how we. What live. you leave behind, or what we? What, I'm sorry. What, what you leave? Isn't that a Deep Space Nine? <laughs> yes, he's we a time lord. Deep Space Nine before there was. He's saying Space what Nine. you leave behind episode is not as important. as... <laughs> well, and and like that makes me think, like based off what you said, Daniel. You know, we don't see a lot of that in in TV show Picard as he's you know going through the seven seasons, but we do open up this movie with a dramatic life-changing event for Picard with the death of his nephew. 
With a oh, okay, I thought you meant the champagne bottle, and I was kidding. <laughs> no, I was going to say the Which most is not dwarf. <laughs> he was not going to stand for that. Which is shattering. Uh, but no, with, with uh, you know, the beginning of the, at least the next-gen part, uh, you know, with uh, the, that life-changing, you know, news, and that, that really sets his, his character off on the arc he experiences during the movie. Yeah, and I mean the the I mean I'm being obvious here, but I'm still gonna say it. But you know, so the foil obviously is is Soren, um, or Soren, um, and Tatolian Soren, Tatolian Soren, and and I know that sort of I'm using this topic of aging, but it all does come together for me because of course 24th century aging is like you know Admiral McCoy lived 137, so there's you know there's and then the we're talking about one of the El Orians, and so who knows how long they live. Um, but you know that he's this sort of concept of regret or whatever, where he's had his family wiped out by the Borg, and then he experiences this nexus. Um, it's a temporal nexus, anyway. Um, and uh, and so he's doing anything he can because he realizes death is all around. I mean, this is you know his convoluted perspective that death is all around him, um, and that the only thing he can do to live is to go back to the Nexus. And, and I don't know, he, he doesn't actually ex- explain what he experiences in the Nexus that's drawing him, you know, whether he, maybe that's where his, he sees his wife and children again or all that stuff. But anyway, but that's sort of that foil to Picard who's clinging to that truth of humanity, you know, that our mortality is what defines us. It is part of the truth of our existence. And so you have that battle between the two of them. Yeah, but, and that's, that's the interesting thing. Like, um, and, and we have talked about this in our, in our Generations podcast um, in, time and time again, like generations had so much potential, and like I really feel like if it was written better, I mean, we see Kirk's journey from Star Trek: The Motion Picture to Star Trek Six, and like how much he learns about mortality and what he learned. Like, I mean, he learns some serious lessons about aging and and death and all of that, and. If they could have infused that Kirk character in Generations with even a little bit of that structure, with even a little bit of that plot that he, you know, character development that he had learned, um, then I think that Gen- that the Picard would have learned so much from him in that movie. Uh, but as it stands, it's it, it was sloppily kind of put together and didn't work so well. But it would have been amazing if we had gotten like, hey, guess what? You know, I, I, I mean, we do get the great line, which I think is a great. Don't let them put you behind a chair. Don't let them. Don't sit at a desk. You belong at at the at the you need seat a standing of a desk in your ready room <laughs> yeah. right now, Captain. And we do get that, which actually is one of like again, like there are moments of greatness in that film and moments of really uh, clarity and, and importance, but. If if we could have somehow condensed that Kirk arc in a way that made sense for Picard and in a story that made sense for him to learn from that, um, you know, I, I don't want to beat up on the movie, but it would have just been so so much better. Well, and now that I think about it, like when you were talking about how like we don't really know how long the Elorians live. I mean, I, I I definitely feel for Soren and like you know losing his family to the Borg, but you'd think like wouldn't a race that as long lived as that have like a ton of family like every couple of decades just like because I mean I'm trying to remember how many times was Gunnan married. I yeah. stopped counting after the twelfth or mean, whatever. I forgot. The we line. know she at least lived back in the you know eighteen hundreds. <laughs> oh, who'd she meet, Darren? Uh, she met a lot of people. I won't go into details. A, 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 a Frenchman, if I'm not mistaken, right? You know. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like okay, again, I, I feel for him for losing his family, but it's like, but. But, you know, in the hundreds of years since the time of Kirk to the time of Picard, like, you can't have, like, did they decimate your society so much that you can't have more? I don't know. It's just, I'd never thought of that aspect. Well, it's interesting, and and, because I'm not going to, we can talk about First Contact, but it's not on my list. But, like, if you want to use sort of that parallel, I mean, you know, Soren plays that Captain Ahab part um, of, you know, the Nexus, because I can't, I'm, 
forgetting, but like went through the universe or our portion of the galaxy like every 20 it's years, Haley's, Haley's Nexus. 70 years or whatever it was. But anyway, <laughs> but like so that he's only had like, you know, like four or five chances, you know, to get it right. And he's taking them finally to this time to find like, oh, you know, I'll just move it towards the planet. That'll that'll do it. Um, that's the ticket, you know. And so <laughs> we, you know, and, and just talking about this now and I'm, I'm actually surprised I've never read or thought about this before, but like. Soren could have, like, played, like, a dual mirror role. Like, if Soren had met, like, maybe Soren had tried to take over the Enterprise B and killed, quote-unquote, killed Kirk, you know, put him into the Nexus or whatever. Like, he could have, like, dealt with Kirk in a way and then dealt with Picard in a way and then kind of reflected how they, both of them have, you know, deal with things separately uh, and then been an interesting mirror for... Um, each of their different opinions on mortality or aging or whatever, like that would have been interesting. Like it would have been if he was the midpoint, if he was the the crossing over, not this nexus nebulous kind of idea, but there was this actual man that was like, no, this is, I should be able to go back and I should be able to be with my family. And then, and then you see Kirk's attitude on that. And then you see Picard's attitude on that. And like, that might've been an interesting way to deal with the situation as well. I know this is way off topic, but uh, if, you know, if we're going to talk about it, like why there's just so many better ways to do it. And I just, it's hard for me to look at generations and say aging in TNG it just doesn't. It didn't work as, as specifically the movies. Just didn't work as well as it did in the the original series movies. And, and one thing that strikes me about Kirk, which we can talk about because he was in Generations. Uh, sorry, Standard Orbit. Um, but uh, one thing that strikes me about Kirk, and maybe it works for Picard, and maybe Storm. But anyway, that what the Nexus provides. You know, I know uh, Shadow Guinan. Um, which is my favorite character on Mortal Kombat. Um, you know, I know what she says is that Nexus has time, has no meaning. And, you know, he tells Picard, you know, go back and watch the children being born. You can go forward, watch your grandchildren. But to me, largely, especially in the context of Soren, there is the, the attraction for some of living in the past. You know, of if you could go back to the good times and be there and, and just live those times, that attraction. So for Dr. Soren, that's when his family was alive. And so, and and we're going to repeat this, I think, throughout this episode, this episode as we talk about other things, um, you know. But what's the cost? How far would you go to capture those moments and be lost in the past? Because to me, where where Kirk comes into that, you know, with Antonia, which we've totally have heard of before, <laughs> she's not some new character they created out of whole cloth. But anyway, but you know, he has that option of like, you know, I'm going to go be with Antonio and get things right with her, and but then he makes that decision. No, instead, I'm going to go into this live my life or what ends up being his death, you know, and go forward and let that possibilities go and, and be in that reality, the harsh reality of life, which is sort of a weird choice. Like, you know, the, the fluffy past with your fake glove girlfriend or harsh certain death and like, I choose reality, which Star Trek does a lot with that concept of, you know, fantasy versus reality. And reality is not always that attractive. But, Barkley. um, yeah, but unless, unless y'all have anything else to say on Generations, I want to skip uh, to Insurrection, because picking up again on the theme of what, how far would you go to uh, embrace, you know, uh, escaping age and all that, we have uh, The Fountain of Youth, um, and you, we can, to me, there's, again, there's parallel stories. You have sort of the Sona, um, who were trying to do anything possible to go to The Fountain of Youth, and not only are they trying to destroy the Baku planet, they also have done all these injections to themselves, plastic surgery, and I don't even know of toxins and all this stuff to keep themselves um, being ageless, quote unquote. And then the parallel story, you have the TNG crew being, quote unquote, affected, whether it's pimples or fun time in the bathtub, um, as they become younger. Uh, so, so, Daniel, I mean, on either of those topics, how did you think those issues of age either – growing younger or trying to stay younger or the Baku, which I know you would want to talk the, the entire episode about them. But so, so, so stop yourself. Let's hold but, on to this how... moment, Daniel. Oh, geez. Let's, please not. Let's get over as quickly as possible. Is there a fast-forward button? Uh, do you have a fast-forward mode that we can go into? Um, no, but you know, I mean, it, it's so, to me, it's just, the uh, you know, I have lots of problems with Insurrection, and, and specifically this storyline just feels... 
lazy and like super like the, the fountain of youth, whatever. Like that makes sense. That's a conf- that's a conflict thing that people would fight over. Um, we do get really interesting, uh, you know, it, it, issues over it. And and Philip, you mentioned specifically warps, pimples, and then of course Riker the and Gorch. And Riker and Deanna, but actually, what 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 I what I actually do like about that storyline is Jordy, you know, um, to, like from from the you know from the one episode with Q, and you guys will have to forgive me, where uh, Q offers hiding Q, hiding Q, where Q offers to give him sight, and he's like, no, not not like this. Uh, to the the season two, the beginning of season two, when Pulaski's like, hey. I can get rid of your visor. And he's like, by the way, B-dubs. Yeah. And he's like, mm, no. Um, all the way until that, like, it, it, that actually works for me. And and that scene when he's like, it's, and it's so beautiful to look at it the way that you look at it. Uh, it, it actually, for that character, really works for me. And I'll say that's probably one of my favorite scenes of that film. And, um, while I don't think that that's a that's that's a knockaway kind of hit it out of the park, uh, makes up for all of the other mistakes of the film. It is an interesting thing that sometimes Star Trek says, you know, you know what? Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay to take the easier route, or maybe it's okay that uh, you know we if we could go back, maybe hell wouldn't break loose if we did do it. You know, maybe it maybe. You know, maybe um, regrets and fixing those kinds of things. Yeah, they might have dire consequences, but on the other hand, maybe it won't. Maybe it would be okay. Maybe it would be uh, it would be fun. And Darren, I mean, t- t- to me, the storyline, which again I have problems with, at a more fundamental, not not as a in world, I have fundamental <laughs> problems because the Federation apparently is going to do anything it can, any pr- pay any price in order to yeah. get this technology. Um, which you know, it's kind of different because you got to buy into a lot of things one i mean for one thing in the 21st century like people are living 30 40 50 years it's not enough they philip do. it's not enough I, I guess apparently um and picard's like one or 200 years older um but anyway you know and so but to them like you know we need this this will make the federation a better society i can't do the admiral voice right now but anyway you know and and so they're doing anything in the sona want to do anything whether it's out of revenge or whatever and in the back who are living it um, or whatever, except for the the kid, he's just ten. Um, but anyway, but you know, so what do you think about all that? Yeah, it was always, you know, it was always strange to me that the admiral's name, Admiral Dowerty, sounded a lot like you know dowry, like something you pass on when you die, you know. But yeah, well, I think Jack Sparrow did a lot better when he was looking for the Fountain of Youth. I mean, that was just that was a fun ride. This not so much, but. uh yeah, it's I don't know. It I I don't know what what they're trying to say as far as in a Star Trek world of, of the Federation and of, you know, I I, I mean the, there's that big line where he's like, you know, in the last 10 years or whatever, you know, the Federation's been challenged by every major power in the quadrant, you know, and other quadrants, you know, the Dominion. <laughs> Pretty much everybody hates us. <laughs> and it's like, well, what are you trying to say like that? you know, are we at a point where we stopped exploring and expanding and now we're just, you know, now we got to just stay the course, but I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's an interesting thing to try to present. Well, this is the new big mission for the Federation is survival is lasting. And it's instead of exploration, instead of all the things that we love best about humanity, instead it's this, you know, almost old way of thinking of like, well, we just got to, keep the status quo, literally hold this moment in time. And it's like, that's not the Federation we know that we enjoy. Uh, you know, that's like the Federation that tries to assassinate Klingons, you know, because they're <laughs> being dragged forward into this, you know, bold, you know, new, new frontier, the undiscovered country. And, and so, yeah, this is, this is that aspect of, you know, Star Trek six in, in a bad way, which we don't, we don't want. I'd want a Federation that is, you know, has Cisco running things and is, you know, doing, you know, before he, uh, ascends, but, uh, you know, but is, you know, about protecting earth, but not sacrificing the ideals that are best 
you know, for, for the Federation. It feels like this, like Picard says, is sacrificing their ideals for this magical pixie dust or whatever they're trying to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, because as a, you know, Picardian uh, myself, um, I mean, I, I think it's almost very black and white. I mean, maybe too black and white. You know, I think there is probably more shades of gray to use a phrase. Um, but like, you know, when... Um, is Captain Proton oh, in this episode? <laughs> yeah. But when... Um, oh, Lordy. And I do love her so, I, but I'm blanking on her name. Um, when his love interest... Um, and I can't believe I'm Anish. blanking on her name. Anish, I'm sorry, thank you. When Anish is 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 you know sort of teasing or or talking to Picard of you know so you're you know you you wouldn't be tempted by you know internal youth and he's like well no of course I'm tempted but you know I've always and I'm paraphrasing heavily now but like you know but I've preferred you know exploring in the stars and and living my life that way not just um, as Daniel would phrase it you know being on a boring planet the rest of my life. Um, but but <laughs> in you the know, prior but, patch, but, who would want to live here? Yeah, but, like, I mean, Picard, to me, has a very, what I would suspect should be the Federation. Like, no, we wouldn't. I mean, Eternal Youth, no, that's not us. We're, we go out there, we explore, we see what's out there, and get everything we can get, and then, you know, that's it. But, uh, so that's, that's to me, when he says, I'm not tempted, like, that destroys the entire concept of the movie. Because, like, of course you shouldn't be tempted. You're Federation. And so, why is the Federation tempted, apparently? And, yeah, and how is living longer better for the Federation? Like, what, like... It seems like anytime, anytime you have a movie where people are immortal, it just, no, like humans aren't meant to live a really, really long time. They just, they almost psychologically break down. Well, there can be only one. <laughs> All the admirals fight each other until there's only one. <laughs> That's what the belt's for. You win, you win the belt buckle. Uh, their their uh, admiral uniform gets more and more elaborate as they add pieces from their fallen comrades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, I mean, in, in either, for either of you, but, like, the, the concept of, okay, so, like, Fountain of Youth, whatever, but then the, the other concept, which, you know, Daniel slightly touched on, um, at least with with, uh, with Jordy, but, I mean, with our, of course, favorite, hate them, love them, uh, pair of Triker, you know, that <laughs> they take this opportunity of, of growing younger, you know, quote-unquote, um, you know, to, you know, what's the Riker line? Like, you know, do you think it's possible, counselor, for two people to go back in time and correct a mistake? That it's like we've gone know. back in time plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Have you even seen your double? Anyway. But you know that that you know, it's almost that because you know, we're going to talk about this as we come on, like past regrets. You know, going back in time, correcting the, this part of, you know, your youth. And the 24th century youth is an operative term because, you know, if you lived 137, your youth could be like 80. Um, but anyway, you know, but, you know, correcting those times in your youth. And, you know, would they have been able to ever reconnect unless they became, quote unquote, young? You know, it's, been, it's like this youth enable you to be more brash and take chances. And when you're more seasoned, you know, are you more stuck in your ways for the wonderful world of Triker? <laughs> The wonderful world of Triker. Uh, which, you know, this is, of course, this is a great discussion to have with a pair of 20 and 30 year olds. I know um, for all of our listeners. But, but you know, so that definitely made me think about, you know, and Picard certainly questions maybe not certain actions that he takes during this movie. But, he you know, he sort of is like, you know, am I making decisions based on this irrationality of being, you know, younger effects of this planet? You know, ask Data. Right, you know, always he's choose Data. Data, what should we do? Always. <laughs> Lock and load, sir. Saddle up. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, no, no, and I, it wasn't on my list, but it does remind me of that one scene in Nemesis of, like, near the end where he's sort of like, uh, you know, when he's using uh, Plan B for barricade <laughs> into the other ship. Um, he's telling, uh, uh, you know, evil baldy um you know uh shinzon he's like you know i don't know you know in, in the academy i was told that i was i forget what y'all remember the exact line yeah, that, i was, you know, my, I my was extremely brash risky. and <laughs> unpredictable <laughs> anyway well as um, we pointed out he you know but if he had in his academy had command level thinking he would have thought separate the saucer and then ram it into the I other ship no. Oh, but just, so all right. Those are sort of the movies um, that kind of came to mind. So I want to talk about a couple episodes um, that that also go into aging, um, which again it always fascinates me. Any of these, whether it's the movies or the episodes, because most of them, if they're not more or, or uh, 
Brannon or, or, or any of the other writers, I'm, I always typically, and even Pillar, when he was, you know, I mean, when he was then writing, like, they're all like in their 30s, 20s, maybe even early 40s at the time. You know, these aren't old guys. So, you know, um, I, it always fascinates me that they're thinking about like death and all that. I'm like, you know, dude, you just turned like 33. You'll get over it. Um, the predator that stalks them. <laughs> then again, with seven seasons of TNG, they probably aged 30 years in the span of seven, but as far as uh, TV you know production. What, you know, what's actually, not to sidetrack your conversation, Philip, but what is interesting is that, you know, we get, we, you know, we've heard the, the anecdote from, from Braga and from Moore who say that they spent all this time writing Generations and they spent a weekend writing all good things. And whereas Generations kind of deals with what we're talking about here, getting older and, and mortality and all of this stuff. And then All Good Things deals with kind of uh, what I would consider a TNG staple of optimism and looking to the future and the adventure continues. Um, it's interesting that, 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 that their, their attitude towards the one didn't work out so well. But, the, but the, what meshes with kind of what I would say is the TNG message worked much, much better. Um, so maybe maybe they're not even old enough to, to write these kinds of stories because, uh, you know, at least in w- what we've talked about so far, it just seemed to be kind of an ineffective way of communicating what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because one thing that strikes me about, um, and you all already mentioned this, but it strikes me if we're going to compare it to the original series movies, um, and, and this may be more of a, a Kirk Shatner focus, but like, you know, the motion picture, you almost have Shatner, you know, I mean, if I remember from his books and everything, like he's trying to play TV series Kirk. Like he's, I know he's Admiral Kirk character, but like, I'm still Kirk. I can still fight. I'm still, you know, same size and everything. And do, 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 do. It's still the Enterprise, even though it's not. Yeah. But in Star Trek 2, there's much more an embrace of I'm older now. You know, I'm not this same one. And, you know, that's what that whole movie's about, you know, with the birthday being celebrated and, and of course, the death of Spock. But, like, there's this embrace, you know, embracing age and, and all those comments that Kirk makes. And so, you know, but they sort of earned that, you know, both uh, literally and figuratively because, as we've said, you know, the difference between TOS and then the motion picture and then the six months between all good things and generations, you know, there wasn't really that earning of like, yep, they're older now. I was like, nah, I just saw them. Seriously. It was like, it was a commercial. It was like less. It was, well, actually it wasn't less, but it was like maybe a month or two more than the difference between a season seven and a season eight would have been right. Like I think generations came out early December and then season eight would have premiered in mid September. So it was kind of like a month and a half, essentially, of a difference between what so we would have seen. they made that movie pretty dang fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it certainly didn't show, cough. Um, so, <laughs> but one of the episodes I wanted to talk about, um, and anything y'all want to bring up, but, uh, was uh, Half a Life, because it's kind of on the nose. Um, and I know to, to the Journey talked about this uh, a couple of yeah. episodes ago. Actually, when, when they, because of their, them talking about it, I recently rewatched it. Also, because I've been doing a mass mash, uh, rewatch. So, David Ogden Sires, the, the lead in this episode. Uh, well, let me say the episode title. Yes. Half a Life. Sorry, yes. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Half a Life. <laughs> uh, yeah. The episode we were referring to <laughs> that does not have Q in it. Uh, no, he's, I mean, he's great. He's, it's a really well, subtly acted you know, piece as he's has to really convey, you know, the, the, the hard part of this episode is they have to convey a culture, like a, like a whole societal thing in 45 minutes or less, you know, and, and give a weight to it that you believe, you know, that they're not going to just change their minds, uh, even, you know, to the dismay of, you know, Loxana Troy, but, uh, yeah, but, you know, it, just a just a quick note for, for listeners it. in case they're not like us. So Half a Life, <laughs> if you don't remember, this is the episode with Loxana Troy uh, meets the scientist Timison, who who Darren's been talking about that actor there, um, and then it re- revealed that the culture believes that when they turn age six, sixty, they see you commit, for lack of a better word, ritual suicide. Um, you know, at age sixty, and like that's the rule. So, anyway, but go ahead. Darren. And I mean, they have good reasons. I mean, they're they're big. The uh, I don't remember what they call it, the ending or whatever. I'm sure they have a better name than that. Uh, but they, you know, the point is you, 
you're not taking a drive to the woods. I yeah, believe. you're no. well. You're not, you know, a burden <laughs> on society. You know, they said it came from a time when you know they it was just you know getting difficult, you know, medically to to care for people. But also the point that stuck out to me is they're like knowing you know you could always be buried along with your family, and you know where you would be, and you would you know be surrounded by your loved ones, you know, at this time. Uh, but and you know, as we get uh, pro proto Roloren, uh, you know, in this in this episode, that's oh, probably not doing it justice. But in, you know, it's justice again. They have to create this type of society very quickly so that you can kind of grasp like why they're doing what they're doing. Um, as and you know, not to mention it's all thrown through the lens of Luxana Troy, which just makes it even more fun. But I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it just strikes me, and I don't know because when I first watched this episode, of course, I was a wee lad. I'm, I don't even know how old that was 11, 12, who knows. And so, I mean, I don't think I agreed with the episode, but like to me, like 60, wow, that's old. And then, like, and and I think now, you know, being uh, 35, being halfway and, you know, there, my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, thanks, thanks for the reminder. Um, but you know, at least seeing my, you know, parents is usually, I guess, a reference for, for most people about aging, but that's just me. Um, I'll, I'll just say it's just me. So, like, I know how old my parents are, like, they're in their 60s now. And so, like, to me, like, well, that's not old, especially, you know, in the 21st century, you know, the baby boomers, like, they're clawing on, um, to live forever. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, to them, 60 is like the new 40 or whatever, and then, which is true in a lot of cases. I mean, you know, this is not, you know, 60 in 2015 is not 60 in, you know, 1915. Those are, you know, it's two different uh, things. But but to me, it, it does strike me now to watch that episode and think like 60 is not, you know, to watch that episode now, it definitely doesn't strike me the same, day as, the same way as I'm sure it did when I was a kid. So... Uh, well, I have a lot to say about all of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the thing when you started talking about aging in in TNG, when you brought it up as a topic, uh, one of the, my immediate kind of reactions was, well, there's not presumably, I, I assume, and I think, and and in 300 years we will have quote unquote cured the aging problem. Um, I, I, it, there was actually just this week or last week or. <clears throat> Recently, uh, there was some group, and I can't remember who it was. You'll have to forgive me. And this was just a headline that I had read. Um, but somebody had petitioned to uh, the CDC or, or some organization that aging should be treated as a, a, a treatable illness. That, it would, that, that we as a society, as a people, uh, will eventually overcome this quote-unquote problem. I mean, I actually think that's true, especially within the context of 300 years uh, where, you know, we'll, we will have unlocked the secret of kind of not immortality because you can still die, but certainly aging as it exists now, uh, that's a totally separate conversation, of course. But um, if we're talking about half a life, uh, I just excuse it in the same way that I excuse Kess. Right, Kess lives for nine years, um, and so she has to do all of everything within that shortened period of time. Maybe it's just an alien thing, so maybe uh, you know, in nine or in sixty years, this is the maximum potential that this this person could reach. Uh, not that I agree with the conclusion of the episode, which kind of states uh, that yeah, if a person outlives their usefulness. Uh, maybe they should be kind of euthanized. Well, it's, it's about euthanasia. That's exactly what it is. And, um, and and not to get too political either, but but what I always remember is so funny, like a few years ago when, when the whole, um, when it became, when healthcare became a big issue in this in America and these... Oh, that, that, that one year? That well, one year you, know what I'm saying. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, legislatively, um, and... and uh, uh, affordable health care was, was really on the forefront of things and then it was like death panel, death panel, death panel. Somebody is going to tell you when you should die. And when you're no like, longer of value when and you're the resources no aren't worth. Society. Yeah. Um, and whether or not you agree with that idea, um, and I think most people probably wouldn't, but, but, but whether or not you do, it always reminded me of this episode and it's so funny that Star Trek always looks ahead and says, you know what, this might be a society in which you have to make these decisions or not or whatever, but it, it's, it says something important 
Um, and uh, I actually maybe it kind of cheap cheaps out on the on the conclusion of that episode, but uh, it is interesting. I I think it's a super interesting episode, and and um, sometimes people say silly. Sometimes sometimes people say interesting things about Loaxana episodes and um, especially in relation from TNG to Deep Space Nine and I kind of have to remind them of Half a Life because uh, it's a really interesting lens to view death through I, I, I think which is it must be I mean I, I don't know the entire background of it but to see that topic through the lens of the wife of the creator of Star Trek. Uh, I just, I think that's actually a really interesting perspective. I know she didn't write the episode, but she's in the episode and you have to think that the writers kind of must have taken advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, and I forget, I actually forget how Jean died, um, whether it was like a debilitating thing or whether it was more sudden. Like, I don't know if it was like instant, but like, I, I forget. Which, like, I know he was getting a little sicker, but I don't know how expected his death was. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it does strike me that whole, I mean, quality of life. You know, that would have been an interesting title for the episode. Um, you know, where, and I don't know, we're all, the three of us at least, are a little young. Um, maybe I'm presuming too much to experience this, you know, having to deal with a, you know, an elderly parent. Um, and, and, you know, then, you know, whether, especially if they get very much older, whether you or your siblings, um, have to make certain decisions, um, you know, depending on whether you still have another parent left about, you know, what to do and how to deal with things and, you know, nursing homes and da, 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 and you have to make all these decisions that, you know, that, that the so-called death panels, that's what that, that was all, all supposed to be about. But, um, you know, and and that's a that's a hard stuff to do, and sort of the sci sci fi allows us to do this whole like, well, what if there was a society where you didn't have to worry about that because there's this age where you know we all agree that then you don't have to worry about it, and of course that's a very sci fi concept where us, us humans are very hard, to, not 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 that hard enough wired to be able to be like, oh yes, there's a universal age, and we're 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 obviously sentimental in a good way. That's not a critique, where we we want to cling onto life. As long as we can, um, you know, for the most part. Um, but another episode that is eh, not quite as good, but but at least it goes with the concept of what would you do to reclaim your youth is too short a season. Um, this is a season one, two, I actually can't remember, um, episode um, with um, makeup. And that's that's what goes on during this episode. No, it's it's with the, for those who don't remember, it's for a bad Merle, uh, one of the first I believe for TNG, who is um, you know he's like he's reversing age. <laughs> yeah, he's. I'm just trying to describe his makeup when we first see him. I think <laughs> it's, it's something funny enough bad. to describe. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, and and you know we we don't talk about it long, but it's a sort of but the con it's a very sci-fi concept. I even forget where like it's some alien technology he picks up randomly to. You reduce age him, and he wants to give it. To, I think like he wasn't give it to his wife, but then he took both doses because he's a douche or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, and so and then he ended up just dying of youth or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, at least what do y'all think of that sort of a sci-fi story of, of introducing a very early Fountain of Youth story? Yeah, it's hard to remember this one because I haven't seen it in a long time. But yeah, it's it's definitely you know if it definitely seemed like it had a price. Um, and if you remember, this may jog your memory. He's doing a Professor X kind of chair that he's in on the bridge, <laughs> um, you know, and then he gets out of it like, Shh, I can walk now, <laughs> you know. And so, and and basically, he's he's being called like I don't know if he's a retired admiral or regular admiral, but like he's being called because like this guy he did a deal with, you know, Iran Contra style, you know, arms for hostages years ago. Not that they know that is now, like, the prime minister of a planet, and mm. so he's being called to negotiate with him. Well, it kind of also reminds me of that other later season episode where Deanna's, like, linked to some other alien that's sucking... Man of the people. Yeah, where he's, like, sucking the life out of her, and she's, like, aging like crazy and acting... His name's Riker, and I don't appreciate you categorizing <laughs> the relationship that way. Who's the father, Deanna? <laughs> Who's the father? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but no, too short of a season, you know, again, with the, just the broad strokes of the, of the plot. Yeah. It's, you know, again, it's like just, okay. So is it, this is basically 
kind of what some people would probably do with the magic pixie dust from the Baku planet. Like, hey, look, I can, as long as I take my pill every day, you know, I can get younger and younger. Is that really a good thing? You know, sometimes we would say that, you know, if you had the age and wisdom, not the age, but the, the wisdom of someone, you know, who's lived a long time, but placed in the body of a young man, like, would that be better? It's like, uh... Again, humans don't seem to be built psychologically to live a really, really long time. We just kind of, we kind of break down and go nuts if if we've well, learned anything. And, and I'm not trying to be controversial, though. I'm not not trying to be controversial, but certainly, I mean, not just in the United States, but certainly in the United States, there are those folks who have money who will certainly spend that on various procedures to maintain the appearance of youth either successfully or not successfully as certain things go so i mean it it does remind me a little bit of how far would people go how much are you willing to spend and it doesn't necessarily work out in basically a horrible makeup job um you know of 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 it you know and and how important is youth you know how is you know growing old gracefully i guess is the phrase or or you are going to cling on to like i want to be young kind of another part of aging that I thought was in this episode Rascals, which I know is sort of reverse aging, but what the storyline is, and y'all can talk about whatever you want, but the storyline that struck me in Rascals is the regrets of youth and childhood and all that. And specifically, I'm thinking about Roe. And so, Daniel, I'll certainly be Woo-hoo! asking you, yeah, um, that her, for you know, y'all remember, but like where she, her childhood was basically very traumatic, obviously, the occupation. Um, seeing her father killed in front of her, I believe, if I remember correctly, um, being tortured by Cardassians. And so she never really had a childhood. And then Guinan, you know, uh, baby Guinan, um, teaches, you know, basically has Roe get that second childhood and sort of that regret going back in time, almost a tapestry of sorts, um, you know, <laughs> feel to it. So, so Daniel, what do you kind of think about capturing lost childhood? Well, I mean, for that episode, it's it's – it works really well because, of course, we do have this character of Roe who who has had this kind of really terrible, awful childhood. And she learns the lesson. You know, I mean, it's it's Picard and it's 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 Guinan and, and Roe. And, well, I don't know. It doesn't matter What's who else. It doesn't matter, who else. It doesn't matter who else is in that episode. But Miles Edward <laughs> O'Brien. What is her name? Um, you know, but it is. Uh, Roe actually has the strongest through line of that, where, where she does learn, like, a really important lesson. Like, I don't I even want to say she learns a lesson because it's she gets to experience something that she never had the opportunity to have before. And... It works really well in that episode. Um, I, it, it, it's weird to call that aging because, like, it, it is. But but to think, like, if I had the opportunity right now to go back to my 11-year-old self. And, like five years ago? Uh, I'd be playing uh, with my Star Trek action figures, making uh, movies. I mean, wait. No, that's not. <laughs> that's nothing like today. Um but it is weird to think that, like, I, you know, maybe it, maybe I shouldn't say that because maybe it, you know, age is a relative thing, right? It it really is, and and uh, it's it's not any different to say that in this society than maybe it is, uh, you know, in half a life society to say that thirty is your is your midpoint, or in generation. Society, you know, in you know, in Elorian society, to say that three hundred years old is is your midpoint, you know, like I guess it just it hit is, me that it just hit me that you guys just call me middle age for half a life. So I'm <laughs> mid, middle age now is that uh, what it is for half a life? Yes, uh, should I be collecting social securities? Is my question. For, for I mean, half a life, it is. you know, we know that Bro Lauren, you know, had a hard time with her father watching him die at sixty. I mean, we've established this. That. <laughs> That's true. That was a very, very tortured child. So yeah. you know, she's very forward at the time. <laughs> yeah. so she's like you, pushing him in the chamber. <laughs> it's, it is interesting, you know, to, to, in a sci-fi lens to look at it all as, as uh, kind of relative. And, 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 Philip, you actually mentioned, like, what, you know, our... And I know we're a little bit spread apart, but I think generally speaking, we we can kind of all relate to this. But like what our parents' generation experiences now, uh, what the baby boomer generation is, 
um, experiencing now is going to be very different than what our generation will experience in 30, 40 years. Like, um, age is very relative. Like you said, uh, you know, in that generation, 40 was old. Maybe 50 was old. And now we're getting to, like you said, 60 was the new 40. And now how different is it going to be when we're that age? And how different, like, I know, Philip, you and I don't have kids, but but Darren does. And, and like, Darren, when, you're, when, when your little daughter is, is 30, 40 years old. And has and, a podcast of her own. <laughs> and she has her own podcast. And, and the Earl Grey A. <laughs> how different is that going to be? So, I, you know, oh, yeah. in a way, Star Trek does kind of deal with those issues in an interesting way because it does show different elements of, of that kind of thing. And that's science fiction at its best is is looking at the what ifs at the at the future and yeah I mean I had I had two great grandmothers that lived to be 102 I mean they were born in like 1909 ish I mean that's it's crazy uh, but yeah it's you know that's why I don't worry too much about it because you know like not just with aging but you know like with with boy bands you know it's like what what boy band is she gonna like when she's a teenager I don't know they're they're not even alive yet who even cares we got we got time i'm sure it'll be some crazy music that kids will start listening to but uh but yeah you know it's just things keep changing and and changing and maybe we'll hit a cap but yeah i mean uh you know definitely the fact that 90 you know is now like you know it's the the life expectancy at least where we live is is just going up and up and up it feels yeah, because like my my grandmother, um, maternal grandmother, just celebrated her, and I, I actually can't remember, but ninety five or ninety six at least. She was born in nineteen nineteen, so or whoever wants to do the math. But she just celebrated her her ninety something birthday, um, which I don't I don't know about anyone's family, anyone else's family, but Southern women they just live forever. Southern men we're, we are not so lucky. I think it's probably all the fried food. But anyway, but so but you know you're right. It definitely is to see that longevity. Um, and, and I'm going to skip on my list here, but one thing I did want to talk about, um, is definitely relics because that deals with age and usefulness, Mm. usefulness. Um, I mean, it's very on point, you know, where you have Picard telling Jordy, um, who is Daniel's favorite character in this episode, um, you know, that Jordy the jerk, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I can't, I'm sure you remember the lines better than me, but basically like, you know, when you're older, you need to feel useful. And when you don't feel useful, Jordy cough, I'm telling you, giving you an order, um, you need to, you know, and, and you, you have, of course he's out of, t- Scotty's out of time in this episode, so you really can't blame him. Um, but it, it is this sort of very, you know, I'm old doddering around in my robe and talking about the good old days and, and all the young people don't want to listen to my stories. You know, that, that, you know, this is, this is the, uh, the Starfleet retired Starfleet nursing home. Apparently is, this is what this looks like. Well, I would say usefulness is even more important in the Star Trek future because like we talked about when we talked about money and scarcity and, and all of that, you know, several dozen scarcity, episodes ago. Scarcity, scarcity, Is, uh, well, I'm glad you remember at least our episode titles, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, it's like, yeah, in, in a Star Trek future, usefulness, that is the currency because that's the whole Starfleet thing of you just got to put your mind to it and go to the academy and you can learn and you could, you know, you can be anything. You can, you know, you can do anything because you have the potential and, and we, you know, Starfleet is all about letting you tap into that potential uh, unless, you know, you change your past and then you end up as a blue shirt and, you know, you're just not, no, you're just not, no in, you're not going to slated for command, but dare to do better. But yeah, that's <laughs> the definitely the big thing with Scotty though, is because, you know, that is his, uh, what he has to contribute is his experience and and you know even though it's a bit outdated on the on the exact technical side but you know the way Jordy kind of just says you're in the way like you, we we can't use you and that's the the biggest loss i think for someone in that time period yeah and and Daniel definitely let me know what you think but it it almost reminds it gives a parallel to me that i didn't touch about this when we talk about relics but like so you have Scotty being quote unquote old and not being useful but then you have Picard being young and not feeling useful. He's like, I can't 
be captain anymore. Well, he, does, he doesn't think that, but everyone's like, you can't be captain Oh, anymore. you mean in Tapestry? And so, you know, in Rascals. When he's oh, a kid, right, right, right. yeah, and he's suddenly faced with the truth that he's a kid that no one's going to take seriously. Like Riker, like takes him on to be like, "Yes, sir." Too bad Wesley Star. wasn't around when that episode. <laughs> I was think missing. he literally says that. I think John Luke says like, "Oh, go to the academy and become Wesley's classmate." And and so John Luke it, now is sort of a re- reverse usefulness. He's like, "Well, maybe I can go back to school, earn more degrees, do archaeology instead, and you know, finding." But anyway, but what, what do you think about all that, Daniel? Would you be Wesley's you know, classmate? Uh, well, I certainly wouldn't be his squad mate. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. Um, <laughs> Red squad. <laughs> uh, but but it is interesting because you know, ugh, boy, um, it, it it's an interesting idea, especially in relics where like we see Scotty out of his element, and I wonder if Kirk out of his element, if Kirk displaced in time, which technically we did get in Generations, uh, but in a very unique circumstance. But if Kirk had just showed up, Kirk was the one inside the transporter buffer, like, would he have been any more useful? Um, And, I mean, Kirk is a more important character than Scotty, of course, and Kirk might have skills that would better translate into the future. Um, But it's interesting to look at Scotty in Relics and Kirk, uh, you know, later on Kirk, uh, as, as kind of mirrors of one another where it's like, how do you deal with entering a time where people don't need your skills? Well, and that actually brings up uh, something we haven't talked about in a while. Uh, in this book called Ship of the oh, Line, <laughs> there's actually a lot uh, very similar to... Uh, two relics in the fact that you know the crew of the Bozeman are displaced, I think like seventy some odd years in the future, and it's the same thing. It's like now they're in this old ship that it, you know what what can they do? What can they you know can they still contribute to society to the Federation? And you know they they can't send a message back in time. You know they can't let their loved ones know that they're okay you know and that becomes a key point of uh, of their experience but they get the bozeman too so it's all right, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it all wow. works out in the end mm-hmm. cool yeah and there's a, a few other episodes that we could talk about so i'll just do kind of a closing thought and i'll i'll talk for a second to give you all a second to think about anything you want to say um but you know i i think the only things that strikes me in that the writers are trying to do in these episodes or attempting to do in these episodes is a lot there's there's often um discussion about the regrets of youth and we didn't talk about that ta- we've talked a little bit about tapestry but um you know it's certainly very very much the tapestry episode um Unification. If we're if we're going to keep on stealing TOS characters, there's almost a, a youthful regret story for Spock, because it's basically Star Trek Six, where he's regretting Star Trek Six and Unification. And so the reason he goes to Romulus alone is, you know, cowboy diplomacy that I'm not going to put people at risk. I'm going to do it my own way. So it's sort of a, a wisdom that he's gotten, I guess, from experience or age, or you know. Um, but there's often these these storylines in Next Generation and other Star Trek, I suppose, about that, you know whether we should fear growing older or the, whether we should fear the regrets of youth or, you know, realize that's who we are because of who we are of our experiences or, or do we, would we grab that chance to go back or would we go that chance to travel through back in time to change things or, or whatever. And, and to me, that's a continual sci-fi story and a continual TNG story. And I don't know if we provide any of the answers or any, raise any questions, but that's definitely something that struck about me. So, so, um, uh, age before beauty, uh, Darren. What, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know definitely like you listed brothers as another notable episode, and and yeah, Doctor Soon seems to have some issues with age as well. Like not, I mean, he at least turns it into a let's make something for the betterment of society with his you know androids. But I mean, it looks it it's modeled after him as a young person. You know, it's it's basically his way. You know like we all do through our children, but this is a little differently, you know, that, uh, to, to extend his life. I mean, cause he also adds like his wife and I mean, he has, a, he builds his whole family. Yeah. Uh, if, of androids. And so he takes it in just a, I guess a new direction for sure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Daniel? 
do you have your emotion chip in, in, installed? Well, my my fingers were moving as fast as you could see, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, um, you know, in general, my opinion is that I think that uh, I get why Star Trek tackles these issues, and um, I appreciate it. And but the way it's handled a lot, like the way it's handled in universe and in general, and and in TNG specifically, I wish it was was um, more futuristic. I feel like um, you know. We see McCoy in, in season one, in the first episode, and he's 130, 40 years old. And 137, according to Starfleet Records. Yeah. <laughs> How well and do I, you know that, boy? <laughs> I, I actually think that people 130 years old in 300 years, if we're still around, will be much better shape than he is then. So, um, And will Patrick Stewart still be around? <laughs> well, Patrick Stewart's going to live forever. It doesn't matter. But, uh, uh, you know, I just feel like, uh, I, you know... You have to separate the, the 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 universe from reality and and see what they're trying to explore through the universe from reality and uh, you know it, it's an it is something we have to deal with and it, it's something everybody everybody you know faces uh, and there I think TNG has a lot to say about it and 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 probably more than we were able to get to in this episode I think. Well, you know what they say about podcast time. It's the fire in which we burn. So it's been fun talking about the predatory uh, approach of time today, but that's just one of the many Trek topics we've been talking about here on the network this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And I'm wondering if it's because the comic book writers didn't understand what the filmmakers were doing or whether it was because the comic book writers wrote themselves into a corner or whether it was because the comic book writers wanted to open their stories up to more possibilities. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. This year, opening for five-year mission is... Del Rock. Del Rock. Del Rock. They'll rock your world. Bajoran style. The ready room. I do like that he just drops out of the sky naked. That is the perfect way to introduce Q. And then just before we cut to the credits, they get this great shot of him looking up at Picard and he's like, hey, what up? To the journey! My question is, what would Janeway have in place of banana pancakes? Because that's Bolana's thing. Would Janeway's be coffee ice cream? I was just about to say coffee ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) My my lips... My lips were forming the syllables to say coffee ice cream. <laughs> Warp 5. I remember watching Broken Bow when Enterprise first debuted when I was in high school. I remember revisiting it now in full. And I had forgotten the fact that the future guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go with Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek stars. I know that both of us will come out of it okay, but <laughs> since Matthew... He's not used to sparring with either of us. I'm afraid that he's going to be a bloody mess lying on the floor of the 602 Club. The 602 Club. You know, that's Bryce Dallas Howard's decision. She wanted to do that. She made the decision that the the character wouldn't get out of these heels. Which to me said, this character has changed some. Like, she has learned some things, but there are some things about her that are not going to change. Literary Treks. You know, Bajor getting through the occupation with its faith and this faith kind of coming back in Cardassia and helping them kind of get through, you know, their darkest hour. Yeah, I definitely do like kind of how it's come full circle. Axanar, the official podcast. I tried different action figures. Uh, I tried Black Widow. I tried the Black Widow from uh, uh, the, the Hot Toys Black Widow. Too small. It wouldn't work with really? the other action. Yeah, it didn't didn't photograph quite. But, but tell everyone why you're photographing action for you. Women at warp. So she definitely knows cats. I say that right off the bat. She knows cats and bones. Yes, definitely. Of course, bones would get annoyed with all the cat fur. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom. 
visit the trek.fm website for the full trek experience you can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows if you would like to contact us just go to trek.fm contact from there choose message to a trek fm show and select earl gray these messages will be relayed by starfleet to the three of us in social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trekfm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash Trek FM today. And we here at Earl Grey want to thank Aaron Harvey, our uh, Trek.FM illustrator and graphic designer, for doing a great job on Earl Grey 93. Um, you know, I've been keeping up with the stats, and I believe, Daniel, that the port side is up two games. We'll see. We will see. Hey, guys. I mean, I know Percy Squares is a violent game, but, I mean, let's try to keep it civil here, okay? You know, ales for everyone in 10 forward. All right, Darren, if folks want to talk to you about any of the other um, Moser family um, uh, offspring you've created lately in your lab, where can they reach you on the Internet? They can find me under username Dr. Sci-Fi on Twitter. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And Daniel, if people want to talk about why you look like a very younger clone of Picard, where can they find you in Romulus Internet? It's the eyes, <laughs> isn't it, Philip? <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, they can get a hold of me on Twitter as well. Uh, and my handle is oneupdan, and that's the number one, not the word. And if folks want to help me in my old age to remember things, uh, they can reach me on Twitter with username nc public servant that's nc for i've forgotten (laughs) well guys i have to go um uh, kill a native population so i can steal their youth until next time make it so live long and prosper engage fire 